Go ahead. Make my day. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Hey, Stella! I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Okay, here we go. Um, now we're attempting something new. We've got two microphones here, and uh, we're eating pizza. It's the I, we're probably gonna cut this part out, oh, but yeah. uh, this is the Little Caesars uh, Batman Calzone E. <laughs> calzone. I think it's Calzone. But uh, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on it? I haven't had a bite yet. Oh, you're good. Oh my gosh, it's buttery. It's- buttery it's cheesy it's got a little bit of a crisp crunchiness to it this is gonna be an asmr podcast uh-huh. <laughs> we get an only fans page now <laughs> <laughs> film is about to start where we eat food and we talk about uh, adult films that'll be the that'll that we could do that and make money mm-hmm. i'm sure that's what people really want set up a patreon throw the uh, exclusive content on there <laughs> <laughs> it's what the people want mm-hmm. they want to listen to two guys Talk about food and porn. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to hear that? Oh, God. Today's episode is The Batman, not the 1960s movie. Oh. But, because that, wait, is that the one you watched? I watched that last night. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Ah, okay. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the Adam West Bow, Bow? Little Bow Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Damn it. The k- Kapow or whatever. Bang, zip, zam. No, we're going to talk about the Batman 2022 with Robert Pattinson, who's known way more for way more things than Twilight, which everybody apparently cannot let go no. for some reason. The Lighthouse is great. It's weird, but it's great. Yeah, that's a great movie. Uh, no, Robert Pattinson is a fantastic actor. He's I've I've really enjoyed a lot of his work post Twilight. You know, I think, like, he's done some really great things. The Rover. Have you ever seen that with uh, Guy Pierce? No. It's really good. And it's Robert like, Pattinson's in that? Yeah. It's like an indie Australian film, I think. It's from six years ago, maybe, or more. Okay, yeah. It's I need good. to check that out. Yeah, it's good. Um, well, we just had the uh, Little Caesars Batman Calzone pizza. Cheese, not the pepperoni. What are our thoughts on the pizza? First? It's good. It, it is, is very good. It's so much better than it has any right to be. I thought it was going to be terrible because I've seen like people post on YouTube and Instagram like photos and it's like greasy and it looks so off-putting. Mess. But like it was fresh. I went in, ordered it, waited, took him like 10 minutes. Then I got back here, put it in the oven to keep it warm till you got here and it's great. Did they give you any sort of like weird reaction when you ordered it or was it just like, uh uh-huh. Well, she just kind of said, uh, I said, do you guys have the, uh, the, I'll have the Batman Calzone. And then I said, do you, and this is the part where she was like, okay, whatever. I was like, are there posters with, which I knew there were, but I was just kind of <laughs> being like, are there posters with this uh, pizza? And she's like, yeah. And so, yeah, they were, yeah. But other than that, but you know what? I'm, I'm still a little pissed partially because the box was not the official one. The official one has like the bat symbol being like into the sky and the skyline. That's Mine cool. was just a boring ass box and they had plenty. I saw them in the back and I'm pissed that <laughs> I didn't bite. I'm going to have to get another one of these just to get the box. I'll throw it away. Yeah, but we hope you'll make this a weekly visit. Bring the family, bring your friends. 
There are always wonderful new pictures to see. I went and saw the Batman the day it opened in Dolby at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you just... I just saw it at a random Regal Theater on the side of the highway at 3.15 p.m. Okay. Well, yep, It's because it was nighttime when you got out, I'm sure. Yeah, it was actually surprisingly light out still, despite it being a three-hour movie. It being so dark, I was expecting to walk out into like the, the night sky, and it was just like, oh shit, it's still, it's still. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be night when I walked out of the movie. I was like so hoping. I was like, please, 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 and it wasn't. And I was like, well, damn. I thought it was going to be nighttime because I didn't want to go to a too late of a showing because like it was a Thursday, and I, I've gotten to where I just don't like to see movies that late, especially if it's like something that's long. Like I don't right. like to go to a seven o'clock or an eight o'clock because then it's like. It's just way too... Yeah, you get out and it's like almost midnight. You sound like an old man. <laughs> I don't like to go to movies that late. But I don't I like to get home and do my thing and like decompress <laughs> I after I've seen like a, you know... You got to get home and get your nighttime remedies. <laughs> I got to get home and put my my cream on my face and go to bed. I don't know who this character is. I just don't think that this should be <laughs> He just likes thing. creams. He just likes <laughs> I like to take the calzone cheese and rub it on my face before I go to bed. It's good for the pores. It's, so, it's a soft cheese. I get it. It's Ted Turner talking. It's my Ted Turner impersonation. I like to get home and put the cheese on my face. The cheese. <laughs> so, what? How was your viewing experience? So, I got the first ticket that I could after I got off of work, and so I just drove to the theater. I get into an absolutely empty theater. I thought you were gonna say I got into an accident. I, I got into like, an oh, accident. Shit. No, I went into a, an entirely empty theater, and I was like, "This is sweet. This is great." And uh, about 15 minutes, like, into the previews, uh, a few people walked in. It was, like, just, I think, two people. And they were, like, five rows behind me or so. And I'm like, man, they're going to hear every single, like, time I open my, like, candy bag or like, every crunch of popcorn. And, like, so I'm, like, I, like, I have this anxiety about that. And then, like, probably, like, 30 minutes into the movie, it's, like, pretty loud. And I'm like, man, these people could just come up behind me at any time, strangle me. I'm gone. Loud movie, I'm dead. Okay, so was your headspace that you were going to get strangled because of the movie you were seeing? No, it was just more like, I had never been to a movie theater and seen a movie by myself. Okay. And I'm fine, I can go out in the world alone. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need a buddy. No, it, it wasn't genuine concern, but it was just like something that had crossed my mind. I was like, man, they could easily just kill me, dispose of me, no one would know. God almighty, that's, this is, <laughs> you just added a whole new experience to seeing this film. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like a 4D movie. I thought they were going to come up behind me and strangle me. Yeah, whenever, uh, whenever he goes, I'm vengeance, I got punched in the back of the head. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so to, off the top of this, since we're talking about a movie that's so new, because like last week we talked, or last, whenever we talked, I don't know when we talked about Seven, but <laughs> it was like last episode. We that that movie's like what twenty years old? Yeah, it's Almost. like it's like seventeen, I think. Okay, well, this just came out. So if you're listening to this podcast, we are just going to talk about the movie spoilers all over the place because, I mean, I like when people do movie reviews that are spoiler free. But we're talking about a movie. It's not so. If you don't, if you get pissed, please write our hum, our human resources department at we don't give a fuck dot com. <laughs> no, I mean like. You know, just, you know, know that. So we're going to talk about everything. So everything is, you know, on the table, I guess, or off. On. It would be on because yeah. we're talking about it. If it's off the table, then the deal's... Yeah. Yeah, okay. The deal's gone. <laughs> Stupid joke. All right. <laughs> um, I'm sure that when uh, the Riddler starts killing people from behind, was that kind of a... 
Yeah, he kind of just appears at one point, right? Behind the mayor. Like, yeah. in shadow, the next shot, he's there. And I'm like, fuck, that's going to be me. Did that scare... Did you jump? No, no. I didn't either. But I thought it was I thought it was visually just oh, a very cool, yeah. cool thing. Well, was your experience good? Did those people do... They Obviously, you're here, so they didn't strangle you. Uh, they didn't succeed in killing me. There was some <laughs> oh, strangulation. No, uh, no, it was fine. We had no interaction at all. My experience was it was pretty... And I'm not going to be negative, but... Let's start, I'll start with, I'll start with the positive. So I go and, you know, it's opening day, so I'm really excited. I know they did like some screenings for like fans or whatever, but I didn't do like the IMAX thing. Um, so I go and it's, this is the first time, I guess, since COVID kind of being over and everything, I've gone to the movies, but this was the first time I was kind of okay with sitting right next to somebody because there was just no way around it. Yeah. Was it a packed theater? It was pretty, pretty full. And, um, so I was like sitting next to this older gentleman and he was just by himself. There was nobody. And we were like, I was in the center, like, boom, like I wanted to be like right there, you know? And, so I'm sitting there and everything's fine. And then, and then like this guy rolls up and <laughs> this dude sits next to me and I can smell beer so strong. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, he, it's three o'clock and he smells like it is the end of a weekend. Yeah. It's pretty early in the day. to start <laughs> uh... And then his friend comes in and sits until they leave a space in between them. So he's like right on top of me. And then he pulls out this gigantic, this dude's going to listen to this podcast and be like, this son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll hunt you down. <laughs> He, he's like, I'm vengeance. And he pulls out this <laughs> giant water bottle. And I'm like, is he going to pee in this? Because I really did wonder. I was like, he's got a beer, a giant beer next to him. I'm like, you already reek of beer. This is a very judgmental oh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, obviously this is going to be like, I, sorry, no judgment. But this is what this is just the facts. This is what happened. He puts this giant beer. And I'm like, whatever, I don't care. But when he pulls out this water bottle, I'm like, this dude is going to pee in this. This guy has brought, he's not going to get up. He's going to pee in this thing. Why would you have this much water with you? So I think it was empty. I think he, I think he was going to run a catheter in and yeah, I'm, I'm positive that he did. I think I heard him peeing at one point. But <laughs> the slow trickling the sound slow. of the catheter. He, but his, so his buddy's there and like, then I guess his girlfriend or whatever comes and she gets in the empty seat. Cause I thought it was just two guys who couldn't sit next to each other. Cause that happens. There are guys like that. Yeah. I'm not that way, but whatever, you know, to each his own. But I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> um, but <laughs> if you ever tangent. need a buddy to go to the theater, if you can't sit next to me, the deal is off. It's off. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> um, but like, so they're fine. And then like in, during the movie, though, they're like making little like comments and I'm like, they're like so you know the scene when uh Batman gets like knocked out like blown yeah. up the guy's like uh, like he would have his face left like he has to and I'm like oh god oh here we go this is kind of going to be really annoying like I can just like when you talk to the screen I'm like please don't please right. do not have a comment till the movie's over but then they're you know Gordon and and Batman are having their conversation about like the uh, when he's trying to help him escape yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, and they're whispering to each other. Yeah. and the guy's like, oh, man, this comic book is fuck. And I'm like, oh, he's enjoying So I was like, oh, he's enjoying it. So that's cool. I took it positive. Now, the guy sitting next to me, the older gentleman, he was having a blast the whole time. Okay. And I that, that to me, though, like, totally, like, was great. He was having a blast. But at the end of the movie, those guys, I don't know what they're saying, but the one friend, 
the one that didn't reek of beer. <laughs> you smelled it? I didn't smell him, though, so I don't know. He might have. He just starts going, I hate DC. Fuck this movie. Cool. He's like, who else hates this? Who else is fed up with DC? And I was just like, why the fuck? What was, why did you hate that movie? I mean, and why go and see it at one of the earliest showings? I know. And I just thought, I hate that attitude. I was like, look, if you don't like a movie, like, obviously, I've been very opinionated about stuff in the past about movies and other, and friends of mine will definitely say, yes, you have an opinion about them. (laughs) But like, if I'm in a theater, I don't start screaming at the top of my lungs, this movie sucked. Right. Like, this is a PSA right now. Please do not... If you go to a movie and you don't like it, please don't say how much you hate it. And if you try to get people to agree with you. Yeah, especially if it's a movie that's been reviewed pretty well. And there's a pretty high chance that people are satisfied with what they've just watched. I was very satisfied. I loved it. So in the opening... I was like, at first, because it's showing um, what is clearly like a high-rise building, like high-status, like, family. I was sitting there, I was like, damn, are they really going to show the death of Bruce Wayne's parents again? They're leading up to that. And I was really pleased when not only did it turn out not to be, um, but it was this kind of parallel relationship. And then that carried on through the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. So it was just really satisfying, and I thought it was super cool. I thought it was really interesting because, like, I had heard... Or I had read an article with Matt Reeves where he said we're not going to show the death of the Waynes again. It's so it's important to the story, yes, but we all know it. Right. When it opens, like, it's very different. Like, I was not expecting a POV shot, which was cool because it's kind of like that duality of Batman is always spying. And we see him spy later. Yeah. So you're like, who is this? And then you kind of hear the breathing, so you know it's weird. But like you said, you think it's the Waynes. The little boy's dressed as a ninja. Mm-hmm. Then the mom comes in, and it looks like she's got, like, a vampire thing going on yeah. which is cool i loved that and but the uh, but the thing about like the way that they reveal the riddler i was pretty like shocked i thought we were going to have i thought it was going to open on the scene that happened after that with the uh the symbol the signal being lit up right i thought that's how it was going to open and so i was pleased that it did this little like prologue of what's happening when bruce is out in the city patrolling and looking because he can't, because they, they kind of, you know, they repeat that over and over throughout the movie that he can't be everywhere at once. Yeah, and this really gives you kind of that sense. Like, I think what was so cool about this movie is it felt more like boots on the ground Batman. Like, he's a detective. And, he yeah, he's a person that's not, like, this omnipresent being. He's just trying his best and, like, kind of just where, yeah, like you said, where he can be. He's not everywhere. The first time seeing it, like, you can't, like, I love seeing a movie for the first time because you can't ever have that experience again. You right. Can't, like, if you wait a long time you can kind of sort of have something similar, but not the same. It's just so, such a unique experience. Yeah. When he, okay, for, first off though, the voiceover, I, I've, I've, I've always heard, like, I've heard this like cliches, like in, in, in like in books about like writing screenplays. And I've heard like uh, professors say this voiceovers are like lazy writing. It's not good. And I'm like, yeah, it can be sure. But with this, I was so happy they did it finally. I was it worked like, well. It felt right. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, it, it, it calls back to the themes of it's a film noir. Well, yeah, and actually what I was going to say, or what I was thinking when I was watching it, is that it feels like a detective going through his notes. Mm-hmm. And that's the same kind of thing where I feel like you'd see it in, like, any old, like, noir film. It's, like, beat cop, just like, this is what it's been like on the streets. I'm out here day after day. You're supposed to do Morgan Freeman, okay? I'm out here day after day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it is. And, and that's the thing is that it's so fantastic. And, it, you know, you there's all the um, the nods and all of the um, influences that this movie had, like Taxi Driver. I saw that. I actually had seen that in some trivia, which I thought was really interesting. Have you seen Taxi Driver? I watched it like a month and a half ago, maybe a month ago. Um, it was an interesting film. I mean, it's kind of just is what it is. It's not something you walk away from feeling like, wow, what a great time. Right, but it's not supposed to be. Exactly. Right, yeah. It's not a feel-good movie like this is. No, no, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess this, this is a feel-good movie. Oh, yeah. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, well, that was also a huge um, influence on Todd Phillips' Joker movie that came out in 2019. That makes sense, too. There is a similar, like, kind of vibe to both of these. I loved Todd Phillips' Joker. I think it's yeah. great. I think it's great filmmaking. I mean, I have been getting superhero fatigue, and I know people talk about it. I don't, how, how do you—do you— so, have you or? Yeah, I kind of went through that a bit, uh, probably around like 2015, 2016. I think it was around like the uh, the release of like Age of Ultron, the Avengers, like things like the second Avengers film. Oh, wow. So you got it like a long time ago. Yeah, but it, it carried on for a while. Uh, I just, I don't know. I was so like over like all of the Marvel films and everything. And, um, and it, just, it didn't feel like anything that was coming out had like had any meaning behind it. And it wasn't until I think maybe it was Infinity War. Where I was like, okay, and I started kind of getting back into the Marvel films at least. And then I had seen, and I think the thing that adds to that fatigue as well is like I went and saw Batman v Superman like day one. Got a ticket, so excited. I was so ready for it. I love Superman. And I walked out of that theater thinking, what a shit film. And then I was like, I just wasn't interested in the DC films anymore really at that point. And so I kind of can relate to the the beer stenched man that's uh, that was in the theater with you. But... No, I don't know. I I think I've had a kind of a resurgence of of hope from superhero films, and I'm just kind of enjoying them again. I'm not putting too much weight on any of them because, especially with the DC stuff, I never know how long it's going to stick around. I mean, the Joker, like that film, doesn't feel like it's connected to this. Clearly, um, none of the other like DC films like that we've seen in the last five ten years can are connected. So I'm, I actually think it's great that this is its own standalone thing and isn't trying to be part of some interconnected universe. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things that is really like, I think for me, it's like it always comes back to, I mean, I'm a huge Batman fan, but I'm not like the kind that's like, oh, I love everything. I love the 60. I, I'm very picky about like, I like a very specific type of version of that character. Now, like that, now there's varying degrees. I did like, I will say the thing I liked about Batman v Superman, the Zack Snyder, because I, I have the Ultimate Edition. There are things I do like about the movie. I I like his production design. I think Zack Snyder is a, is really great at action scenes. I think the Batman fights one of the even more than some of the fights in this. I think it's one of the best fights ever put on screen with Batman. Interesting. I need. To, I think I need to watch that again. It's been too long. I mean, it's not like the thing is. It's there's so much going on, and DC was trying, and Warner Brothers was trying to push. That let's build a universe. Right. And it's like, here's the thing that works about, like, this movie and the the Batman, the Matt Reeves film. It exists in its own universe, so he's able to do what he wants. And it's like, it, it feels like, this movie feels like, to me, a $200 million, which was the budget. Jesus. Which is like, apparently originally it was like, a, but no, it's like $200 million. And it feels like a $200 million art film, indie film. Yeah. I was saying this to a friend earlier today that I couldn't, I, I don't recollect any moment in that film where it felt like an overusage of CGI. Like, I can't think of a single scene that would stood out as not looking real. 
And that was the thing is one of the cool technical aspects of the film was, you know, those LED screens that they're using on the Mandalorian. Yeah. They apparently did set extensions on this movie with that. That's cool. I really like the way that looks. I do too. It, it I, I didn't, when I found out that's how the Mandalorian was made, when I saw a behind the scenes special thing on vanity fair, my head exploded, <laughs> but like, Oh my God, it's, I mean, it's the greatest it's, it's blue screen, but it looks so much better. And it's... Yeah, well, you don't get that softened edge effect that you get from a typical blue screen, green screen yeah. kind of thing. You at least, like, it, I don't know, it feels like there's a sense of depth from the foreground to background, which is, it just adds to the realism and it, it adds to the immersion, I think, a lot. Well, the artistry that goes behind that, like the, the CGI stuff, I mean, it's just, it's it's incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the the... the, the the way they push things. And I think like ILM worked on the Batman. I saw in the credits. Interesting. I can't remember who else, but um, I don't think ILM had anything to do with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. But I mean, he had a lot of, like, he had like what, 800 effect shots, I think in Rises, which is like not even that, like that's so little. Yeah. For something of that like scale and. Uh, right. Yeah. I don't know what the budget was for that, but I have to imagine it's super high. Which, so one of the things, because we were talking about the beginning of the movie. I I was talking about the uh, excitement earlier, and when the Batman appears out of the darkness, mm-hmm. I, okay, so first off, the music. This was like the Jaws theme, like he's coming up like this creature that like... You hear these low, like heavy footsteps approaching. It's tense too, and yeah, it was a very cool... Cool moment. That's one of the best reveals I've ever seen for that character. And the thing is, too, like, obviously, you spend the first, like, 15 minutes wondering when he's going to appear. And then just, like, and it was such a different way for Batman to appear. Usually you see him kind of falling, his wings all sprawled out. Or not wings, but the cape sprawled out like wings. But, yeah, just to see him slowly walk out of a shadow. And it's just, and he looks big with all the armor and everything. He's this kind of... um, I don't know, just this frightening presence. And it and that's the exact way that he wants to come across. I love the sound design. That just the sound of the boots. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I love that it rains. Like yeah. seven. Because like that, the fact that it I love the look of the rain in hitting that suit. It just looks so good. Yeah. And, you know, I was so I was so on the fence about the suit design initially. But I think after watching the movie and just kind of seeing, yeah, like the shots of like him kind of appearing in the rain, it's like the water dripping down. You see it in all the creases of the mask, even like the cowl. Like it just looked it looked real. And I think that's really what sold me on it. I think that suit, it definitely grew on me. Because when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, But you could see the influences that it had from like the Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. Or the second two. Mm -hmm. That's padding. But I thought... I just thought it was cool of all the little... I was, like, so obsessed with, like, all the little details in it. And I just thought, this is just so intricate and, in like, how he has, like, the little electrical thing when he chokes the yeah, dude. Yeah, he, like, tases a dude right off the bat. Oh, my God. The brutality, too. And he gets hit a couple of times, like... Yeah, there are a couple of times where you see him get hit and you're like, he's going down. Yeah. And I wasn't sure I was going to feel about the eyeliner thing. So I was like, but it works. I like that it's finally been addressed in, an, yeah. in a very natural way. Yeah. Uh, because... Yeah, you see, like, the um, Michael Keaton Batman, and he's very clearly wearing makeup under that, that mask. And then he takes it off, and I think in, like, Batman Returns, like, yep. the mask comes up clean. And it's it's a bit jarring. Well, it's like they show, they show the, the I know what you're talking about in Batman Returns. They have the shot where he's talking to Catwoman. Mm-hmm. He's got the eye makeup on. Then it cuts back to him, and it's not there for the reveal. And I'm right. like, 
Where did it go? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know it would be kind of goofy if I'm, I'm, I mean, it's theatrics. Those are like fairy tales, those movies. Yeah, they really are. But I just, like, I know people are like, oh, The Cure. I'm like, well, who cares? And, like, I know people, part of the thing that I loved about this is I know a lot of fans are like, I want to see him with the white eyes. I want to see him like the comic book. And I'm like, that's a comic book and a cartoon. Right. I want to see the actor emote. Yeah. He, Robert Pattinson did things with his eyes in this movie that I just absolutely loved. Like just when, little moments, like just where the camera was close. And I'm like, if you had white eyes, nobody would know what he was thinking. No, and, and it's great because you get the, you get the scene where it's the, um, the mayor's son and his father's just been killed. And Batman is there to basically like just pick up clues and kind of observe. And he peers over at the child and they make eye contact. And he's just kind of like staring at him just... And yeah, th- that would never have worked, obviously, if he had these like glowing white eyes. And I think uh, the Dark Knight trilogy did that at one point, right? Didn't? Like, yeah, but it worked for like an action scene, right? It wasn't when he was like, like hey, "Go to the city. <laughs> I gotta give you the key to the city. We gotta." Okay, I okay. Just just FYI, I was like, I love Christian Bale's performance. I love the growl. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. I know it does a lot of people, but I think I some like of it's it. funny. But yeah, yeah, overall, I think some it makes of it's funny. I like to laugh at like air, I can laugh at things that I love. <laughs> I was just so I think grateful for it. It's the same kind of thing where I was saying like the whole boots on the ground stuff. It's just nice to see like, I mean, Batman is referred to as like the world's greatest detective, and it was nice to see him be a detective, to hear him solving riddles and not just like immediately like in I think uh, the Val Kilmer one with uh, was it Batman Forever yeah it, it felt like he w- you could actually kind of see him thinking and then he's like going and looking at thing after thing after thing and putting pieces together rather than it just being like oh this is just fun yeah yeah, I, that, was, who was I don't know. That was just a voice. That was, not, that was just that person. I thought that was just, Bane was coming to yes. All of the Batman villains will come in and talk during this episode at some point. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was so awesome, like you said, I just, I really love a movie that throws you in and doesn't hold your hand. Yeah. And it doesn't do that, like, at all. And, like, I just think that, like, when he comes in there and, like, you already get all of the... Re- you get the relationship between Gordon and Batman, which is great. Like, that's established immediately. Yeah. And I thought Jeffrey Wright's Gordon was fucking awesome. Same. I love I love Jeffrey Wright. I, I do, think, too. Yeah. Like, his performance in... Uh, I think the first time I'd ever seen him was in Westworld. And he has kind of, like, this, uh, this robotic kind of performance in that. And it's... It was really cool. But to see him, like, actually have a bit more of, like... I don't know. More, like, emotion... And still be this kind of rigid police character. I thought it was really great. And I'd seen him in, um, was it The French Dispatch? Is that the... Uh, oh, yeah, that's the new Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. It, it was great. It's kind of this um, like set of little like vignettes of things. It's it's um, Yeah, there's three stories, right? Yeah, three or four, I think. And then the, the newspaper connects the... Yeah, essentially like all of the, like, the things you're seeing throughout that are just newspaper articles or like stories that the, the writers have written. But in that, he's a bit more colorful of a character, despite still being kind of, like, muted emotionally. It's That seems very contrasting and confusing. But um, I thought it was cool to see him as more of, like, a normal person. What I really just enjoyed, I have to say about all the performances, is that everybody was having a blast. Yeah. I mean, you can tell Robert Pattinson, like, because I read some interviews with him, and he loves the character. Like, his favorite Batman movies, Mask of the Phantasm. And when somebody says that, you're like, oh, you really love this character. Yeah, you've, you've paid attention. Like, you actually yeah. know, like, you you know, which 
so, and he was talking about he wants to do what story arcs he'd like to do with the sequels. And I'm like, he loves it. And I was like, that's why. I mean, I love Bale. I think Bale's performance is amazing. He's my favorite Batman, but he's my favorite Batman because he works within that Christopher Nolan thing. He, yeah, he fits within. He wouldn't fit in this. No, not and at all. And vice versa. Yeah. I just loved so much that we finally got a movie where Bruce Wayne is only in what, like, I think four scenes maybe. Yeah, and you're not, yeah, you got the, um, like, the funeral scene. You got him talking to Alfred a few times in, like, the Batcave and stuff. Um, him at the hospital bed. And... When he goes to see Falcone. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. That's it. Did you feel like it felt like three hours? Um, I kind of know and yes. It didn't feel like I was just, it didn't feel like my time was being wasted. It didn't feel like I was just waiting for something to happen. The pacing was great. Um, it got to a point though where I was like, man, like how long have I been sitting here and how much of this is left? Because like, I'm really enjoying it, but I was like, they could end the story right now. Mm-hmm. And then it, I think the fact that it is that long really is to its benefit because they, they were able to put so much in this movie and really build a very cool world that I can't wait to go back to. I was like, well, could be the one criticism be that it was too long? And I'm like, but it, I don't really think it is. I don't. There's nothing that's wasted. Mm-mm. I don't really. I can't think of anything. I can't think of any time wasted in that movie. Yeah. Everything serves a purpose, and they did a really great job of building characters that they've never really like delved that far into before. The whole Catwoman arc is awesome. Yeah, I loved seeing all of that, and it's like not to bring down Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, but or um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, but like. You basically, like, with Michelle Pfeiffer, especially, you just kind of see this very short transition. She's in it, and there's not a lot of depth to the Selena Kyle character. It's just like, oh, I'm Catwoman, and I'm scratching things. Okay, now, to be fair, as a kid, though, I had a gigantic crush on Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. absolutely. I mean, I still might, slightly. (laughs) No, she's hot. I don't know. I mean, no. (laughs) No, I mean, like, I love Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. But, again, those movies are more about the, the look. Right. The style. At least that's the way I take it. But I still love them. I still think they're great movies. I still enjoy them. But this was a different kind of thing. Like, it was just, like, her her character, like you said, had depth and had real stakes and, like, really was done right. Which you can tell the filmmakers love these stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I liked all the backstory stuff and being able to see kind of the trajectory of Selena Kyle's character... And watching her become, like, truly Catwoman by the end of the film. It's just, I think it was cool to see the parallels between her and Bruce Wayne throughout the whole film. And then to watch, literally at the end, them part ways going opposite directions. I'll tell you, like, one thing I loved was the music with, there's one part when they go over a bridge. And he catches up to her. Mm -hmm. And it felt like an old movie. Like, it felt like something out of, like, the 50s or something. Like, this romantic, like, film noir. Like, it had this, like, romantic, like, feeling of yesteryear. And so I thought that it was just such a well done, I don't know, I feel like everything in that movie was just a masterclass in filmmaking. Yeah, I have I have very few complaints about the film, if any. Uh, the, uh, you know, the only, the only complaint I would have, but it's not even like, it doesn't matter because it doesn't really add, it, it, you don't need it because it's not important to the story because it's, again, you know these characters' relationships, but 
there could have been, I felt, a few more scenes with that Alfred and that Bruce. I had a feeling that's what you were going, going to say. I was shocked. I thought there were going to be more. Well, I think, like, what was so great about the Christopher, Nol- Christopher Nolan films is that you get this real sense of, like, fatherhood from Alfred. And there's this big connection there. And I think part of the, this film is trying to create that relationship then rather than show what's already been established. I mean, I think one of the first lines that it's like within the first conversation that Bruce has with Alfred, he tells him he's not his father. And it's like, I think as viewers, like, because we've known the relationship between Bruce Wayne and Alfred for so long, it felt weird a little bit. But I think it's cool because by the end of the film, like, I mean, you obviously see Alfred's life almost get like taken away. And to see him finally be like, you're somebody that I care about. I wasn't cared. I, I wasn't scared of dying, but I'm scared to lose you. That was one. Okay. That seriously, that scene was one of my favorite. I was like, yes, like they got the character. That is like that resonated with me so much when he's just like, I don't want to feel that again of that loss. Cause that's like a very real thing. And oh, yeah. it's very like, I, I thought was just, just such a great thing of like that's the fear he has. He doesn't care about himself. He does. He's not worried about himself. But it's about the people he cares about. Right. Because he lost his. Pain. And I thought you don't have to show them dying. Mm-mm. We know it. Yeah. Right there, that scene was like the way to like kind of bring that in there of what his fear is, and I, they've never explored really that before. Mm-mm. Yeah, there was no risk of uh, like losing Alfred. I think in, I mean, maybe at some point the, there's the fear of Gotham getting blown up, but but he's already gone. It right. rises like he's yeah. gone. But, I mean, they they do kill Rachel, which, I mean, that's right. pretty, you know, upsetting. But, I mean, very upsetting. And I think that's... <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. I mean, I thought... I was like, well, maybe they're actually... I really did have the thought. I was like, well, but what if they actually do kill Alfred? I know. I was wondering if the same thing was going to happen. Uh, and, yeah, and they kept, like... I'm trying to think what the, the term that they used was whenever he was in the hospital. But it sounded like they were basically like, yeah, he's gone. And I was like, oh, shit. This is the... It's the only film we're going to get of Alfred, or with Alfred in this, this series if it continues. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I laughed quite a bit in the movie and thought there was quite a bit of humor in it. Like, not forced, but real. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was devoid of all humor. And I think I, I thought this about the film is that it didn't, none of it ever felt cheesy. And I think, like, the comedy kind of plays into that, too, where I was never like, okay. There might have been one moment, and I can't remember specifically what it was, where it felt like maybe it was a bit too forced of a joke. But other than that, like... Which one? I wish I could remember. I I don't know. What about... Okay, so, like, the thing that made me laugh a lot was the... (laughs) When he pulls out the thumb drive... Maybe that's They what go it was. to the car. I loved that. And I love the but see again, that goes to the eyes. He looks over at Gordon and then he's like, thumb drive or whatever, and he pulls up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. And then when, you know, that made me laugh because of Gordon's reaction. And then when they have the encrypted thing and he's like, try this, and he pulls up the thumb and he's yeah. like, This guy's hilarious. I I laughed. I thought, well, that's funny, because that's natural. Yeah. Like, it's dark, it's morbid. Yeah, like, it's the reactions they're having. Yeah, any other way that he would have presented that would have been like, I mean, it was just a very natural presentation, right? Otherwise, you'd be like, uh, excuse me, but I think it might be this thumb. Like, yeah, yeah that would have been weird. Did you think that it was pretty? I mean, I was pretty surprised by how far they push the PG 13 rating. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't even really considered the rating, but 
I won't. Yeah, I mean, shit. Like that's a that's a disembodied thumb. Like that's yeah. And then, like, I mean, they do a good way of showing the mayor's thumb, like, being removed, like, the way they do the hand, where you know it is, which is probably just the dude doing this with his yeah, hands. Yeah, tucking For people way. who don't know, I'm tucking my thumb uh, in the palm of my hand, because we don't have video. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, obviously they don't show a lot of blood, but, I mean, the first murder, I mean, there's blood on that device, and then the back of the mayor's head's showing blood. Yeah. And then the commissioner just goes, happy fucking Halloween. I was like, oh, they dropped oh. an F-bomb. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's really where they put it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I, there was anything else that would have necessarily pointed it toward, towards, like, rated R. But so that violence was pretty intense. Well, I mean, and there was there was, there was was also, I felt like, more sexual. Well, I mean, there was sexuality in Batman Returns with Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance. But I felt like there was more, like, talk of that. Like, where with Rises, they don't really kind of talk about what Selena's, like. Yeah, not really. I mean, she's. She's kind of a sex worker, like, but they don't really talk about it. Yeah. You kind of get that. Because that's what she's, like, that's what she was in Frank Miller's year one. This one, it's like, they don't say it, but you kind of get a feeling that she's, yeah, maybe, like, they don't really, I don't know. They're, it's close, though, because the club stuff and the, you know, conversation she has with Batman later when he's, like. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that he's assuming. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, with um, Falcone, like, he's assuming that that relationship there is something sexual, I'm sure. Well, you get that feeling of that 40 below, that that's a pretty, like, I was, like, really pleased with the look of that club and how much we spent there. I thought that was really cool. I liked the way it looked, and I liked the, uh, like, the cuts back and forth from, like, just the, like, normal shots and then that POV stuff where she's analyzing people for Bruce. I saw some comment or something where they were saying that, like, the movie, you could really tell that it was filmed during a pandemic because the, you know, of course, Robert Pattinson got COVID during I filming. saw that, and then they shut down production and then came back, and um, Matt Reeves was just, like, gloves, goggles, were, like, fully, like, masked up. So he was just, like, the Riddler, basically. Yeah, which is... the Riddler already had the clinger. It, it sounded, the way they described it when I was reading this, it sounded like he was just dressed up as the Riddler with this filming thing so they were saying like you could feel it because batman's ever in the room with the riddler and i'm thinking well the script was written before covid happened right so like okay maybe they made some adjustments but honestly i i don't think batman's supposed to be like to me he's not supposed to be in multiple scenes with the villain the villain if especially if it's a serial killer they're trying to track him down they're never going to have a scene together yeah they're not going to until the end of the movie yeah, it was the, I think this is the first Batman film that didn't end with this, like, climactic fight between the villain and, like, the hero. Well, it did with his incels. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his QAnon fans. Right. Um, but, which, I thought, I was like, well, they, this script was written way before any of that stuff happened, but it was kind of like, it did make me think and draw parallels to some of the crazy yeah. Proud Boys <laughs> No, and I think that's kind of what it's supposed to be. Oh, it's got to be. But also, those archetypes have been around for years. I mean, you got the Unabomber. I mean, he's the Zodiac, but he's also kind of like the Unabomber, the Riddler right. is. And, you know, they always, like the Manson family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's people, glor- like, glorifying a villain and then right. following, you know, following his tracks. But that was, like, the great thing about the parallel between Batman and the Riddler of how they, like, kept talking about how Batman is, you know... It's he's always two sides of the same coin with his villains, which is interesting to me. And this one very much so with, you know, the Riddlers like we're doing this together. I thought that was a cool little twist. I thought so, too. And I was curious as to how far that was going to go, whether it was going to all get pinned on Batman at the end. And I was relieved that it wasn't. Yeah. But definitely had a feeling like, oh, shit. 
But I thought I thought that was great. I was like, well, it was a great little misdirect, and I thought that was cool of how. But also, I thought like the design of the Riddler's like the why he wears that weird like uh, hunter's mask. That even the nose piece kind of looks like Batman's nose piece. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Um, but some of the scenes, so like, okay, we got to talk about Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman because there were the scenes with Pattinson. And Kravitz are some of my favorite scenes in the movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I Like I said, I think her character was great. And I was so just relieved to see more of the Catwoman. Yeah. And I think she's, just to be frank, like the most interesting portrayal we've gotten. Oh, yeah, definitely. I saw people were like, oh, it's the Catwoman movie. I'm like, no, it's it's the Batman. Yeah. Like, I don't like, like, no, it is. Like, it's still, it's the most Batman we've ever had in any movie. Absolutely. But like. And but the, like their relationship is so great, and it all happens organically. And I love the just, I love how when he follows her, like some of those rooftop shots were just so cool. Of when he's in his like drifter attire and he's watching mm-hmm. her through the thing, and then like you know she, I, I thought they had like a lot of they had great chemistry, yeah, and they had a lot of great banter. Like when they're talking about um, when he's talking about she looked upset about the Annika girl. When she's in the apartment, she's like, how did you, what do you, like, looks at him, like, and even that little moment where they kind of do that thing where he's putting the contact lens in her eye, and he's like, look at me, when she's, like, talking about feeling like a fish on a, on a hook, mm-hmm. or, or a fish on a line, or whatever. Yeah, I think, she, yeah, I think it's fish on a hook. It's something oh, yeah. like that, but he looks at her, and you think it's, like, this romance thing, he's like, looks good. <laughs> and then she's <laughs> like, what? But I love, and all of that, like, his little setup there, mm-hmm. and I kind of liked, I mean, one of the things about Robert Pattinson's performance that I loved it felt like, and I, I think we talked about this maybe off the podcast last time we got together. Have you you've seen the Dirty Harry movies, right, or have you not? No, I had okay. just seen the um, like Dollars trilogy, the Man Without or the Man with No Name stuff. And okay. That was really the, my first uh, like real introduction to Clint Eastwood. But I would like to watch the Dirty Harry films. You definitely need to watch Dirty Harry, especially after seeing this, because there's a lot of Dirty Harry. Like at least I felt like a lot of Dirty Harry influences in this, especially Pattinson's performance I felt like was very inspired like even like the way the way he does his talking I like it's not growling but it's like a whisper and he even kind of talks out of the side of his mouth kind of like Clint Eastwood yeah and I loved that I thought that was awesome one of the cool things about like that helped I think his performance was that mask doesn't cover up his nose no it doesn't you can kind of see it coming up a little bit from yeah time to time. and I think that that helped him give a better performance I think it was I just don't feel like he was constricted by that suit. I feel like he actually could move and, like, give a performance. And I feel like that's why they were able to have him in it so much. Right. I mean, even, like, you could look back to the Michael Keaton Batman, like, he's moving his whole upper body anytime he turns. And then that carries on until the first, like, until the Dark Knight, the first Dark Knight, or not the first, but the Dark, the Dark Knight. Uh, <laughs> I said, I said the Dark Knight, like, 18 times in a row. The Dark Knight 5. Right. Still dark, still a night. <sighs> Night, <laughs> night never ceases. Uh, but yeah, Batman is always like the cowl is a big costume piece. Yeah, and in this, like it looks like it kind of goes back over his ears a little bit, where it's just like the top of his head almost is covered. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a full headpiece this time, like not a full helmet. And I like, like you said, I think it's just not as constrictive as the previous costumes have been. I thought it was really cool how they had cut it so far, like you just said, so far back to where his chin. Like, I know, like, that's a lot of exposure, but, like, his whole jaw is basically out, and there's, like, a flap thing underneath. Yeah. So he can move, and I thought, like, 
the I think from certain angles, and I think that's kind of the issue of why people like had an issue with it. If you see promotional stills, if you're not seeing it at the right angle and the right lighting, it's not going to look right. Right. And it, but it looks great every time it's on screen in this movie. Yeah, they captured him like just very well. I loved all the stuff like with the little like rooftop stuff with uh, Gordon and Batman whenever they would get together and talk. A lot of stuff happens right there at that signal. Right. And I thought that was great. There's yeah. like a great scene with Selena there as well. Yeah, they, Two they, scenes. Yeah, they cut back to it a few times, which is great. How did you feel about the uh, the car chase? I thought the, the car looked awesome. I thought that was the Batmobile looked sick. I think it was very cool. I, I don't feel like they showed off, and maybe I'm just wrong. I don't feel like they showed off the full car like too many times. It's kind of obscured by things a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was super cool. I like that it felt more real, that it was this muscle car that he had built yeah. instead of it being the tumbler. You know, which never felt like a like the Batmobile is cool, um, and it didn't look so cartoony as if like or as um, like Michael Keaton's or Val Kilmer's. Batmobile. Oh, I do. Yeah, I I can't take Val Kilmer. You didn't even mention Batman and Robin's Batmobile. I can't the, remember it's Super Bowl, but it's, oh my it's, god, it's, it's the like open cockpit with the single seat thing. Yeah, yeah, and that it's all... that is just that that thing is terrible. That is, <laughs> and then even the yeah the Batman for everything with neon all over it. I'm like, oh, here's a dark detective. Right. Here's my neon covered light fast and furious streetcar racing. <laughs> yeah. Which I did. Oh, and I, I liked how indestructible the Batmobile was in this movie. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I, the plot, though, like. I, I Yeah, I think it just kind of unfolded like nicely. There wasn't any like huge twist. No, I I walked away from it, like not really sure how like I would rate it on like a scale of one to ten mm-hmm. because it didn't surprise me in a lot of ways. Like I never felt like, like I just never felt genuinely surprised by the film, which I don't think is like discredit. I don't think it takes away from the film at all, mm-hmm. but it was interesting. Yeah. There's no twist. Like, I mean, you eventually find out who the Riddler is, but it's not like anybody who's ever followed Batman doesn't know who he is to begin with. Right. Um, nothing's being unveiled. It's really just a cool kind of look into just the way that these characters kind of evolve throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a really good time. I thought, yeah, I thought it was extremely well done. I guess the one little, like, kind of twist you could do is how they have the Joker in the movie. Right. How did you feel about that? I mean, like, I honestly was fine with it. I, I have to say that, like, I liked that it was obscure. I mean, I knew who it was because of the dialogue. Right. I, I'm glad that we didn't get to, like, really see a huge look and it didn't take away from anything. And mm-hmm. it also added to the story. It wasn't like, here's an Easter egg for the hell of it. Yeah, it didn't feel like, if you've uh, seen the Amazing Spider-Man films, it didn't feel like the end where you see, I think, like, Norman Osborn, for instance, where it's like he's, like, obscured in shadow and it's like, oh. It, it didn't feel as cheesy, I think. Is he in the first Amazing Spider-Man? I Because I've only seen the first one. I've never seen Yeah, the- at the very end, I want to say it's him talking to the lizard. I might be wrong. But I think it's like that where it's like it feels just like like we we're done watching the movie. Here's an extra scene like wait to see what comes up next kind of thing where this just felt like it would just fit in. He was already in prison like we've seen him there throughout the film. It's not like you at the very end of the movie. They drop off the Riddler and he's like, yeah, um, shucks. I'm trapped here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's also the dialogue that he was like kind of the dialogue that he was having with him. And I did see that Matt Reeves said that there's another scene where Batman goes and talks to him, but he's not calling himself the Joker yet. He hasn't, he doesn't identify like that yet. He's just, 
exists and hmm. they already have history. And oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, Matt Reeves said that it was very recent, like the other day. Matt Reeves said that like he goes in and talks to him and the 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 Joker, who will be the Joker. Because he won't say it. He's like, this character is who you think he is, and he becomes who you think he becomes. But he still won't say it. But, um, Or maybe he did. But anyway, he says that um, he's like, it's almost our anniversary. Oh. So they have, like, this history. Which, when he said, he was like, it's kind of like a Hannibal Lecter thing with the Joker. That's kind of cool. Right. So people are, like, already, you know, speculating sequels and stuff. Which, honestly, I said, if this was the only one we got, I would be fine. Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't need more. No, it'd be a very satisfying standalone film. Right. I don't, I, I do want more though. Right. Don't, I mean, I want more of this. Um, but I don't, I'll tell you what I don't, I think they should really steer clear of is doing a trilogy in the conventional sense, like a Nolan trilogy where it told a, at that, cause that movie I do, I think that, that trilogy tells a beautiful arc, a yeah. three act structure, with multiple acts within each chapter or whatever. But I think that that is perfect. It ties everything up. Right. This movie to me is set up. And I, I think I said this, like I wrote a little thing on my letterbox account. I think that this needs to be something like a dirty Harry or a death wish series where it just, there could be four or five of these. I think so too. I think to try to contain the story within three movies, like I think that can be a bit restrictive. And I, and I, I think the dark Knight trilogy is great. I think it, there's a lot of things that it brings to the table that are very cool. I hate that it's. It never feels like we got enough Batman, though. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah, no, we didn't. Yeah. You see, I mean, the first one, like, you, we've got like Ra's al Ghul, you know, but he's not that big of a villain in that movie. Like, he's kind of just like behind the scenes doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get like, obviously, you get the reveal that he's like that Liam Neeson's character is Ra's al Ghul, and then you know all that. And then it's like the next movie is like the only villains that we ever see are the Joker and then Bane, really, like his right. big villains. And I just want to see more. Although Two-Face, though. I mean, oh, Two-Face, too. Yeah, and that's like the... I still think that's one of the best ways they've handled that character ever. Oh, yeah. It's you interesting. Know, I, it feels quite real, despite the fact that I'm not sure you could survive without... I don't think you little, could. <laughs> ...little face. Yeah, I don't think you'd be able to survive. I think that those movies are fantastic. They're very... They're very serious and grounded in a way that, like... I know people have recently... Have been saying that this one's the most realistic and grounded. Mm-hmm. I still think the Nolan films are more grounded and realistic than this. I think this has a bit of comic book that those movies didn't have. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I can kind of see where you're coming from with that. And I'm fine with that. I thought it should be. Yeah. I want them to be. Did you like that uh, whenever um, uh, Commissioner, or I guess he's not even Commissioner Gordon in that film, but when Gordon and Batman like leave him tied up? Oh, that was great. And he's waddling yeah. away like an actual penguin. Pretty good. I love him breaking down the semantics of the like Spanish language. It's like it's la, it's not l, or whatever he was saying. Like I just thought that was just funny talking about like the masculine, like feminine stuff in Spanish. I did really enjoy how it pushed. I know it sounds so cheesy because the darkness, but it really did push that dark, edgy stuff. I mean, like you've got the mayor with his family. Obviously, it's really sad. This little kid, but then you have like. You know, if you think about it, like the stuff that Bruce finds out, it's like this guy, he's beating this woman. Like, obviously, you're like, did the mayor beat this woman? Right. Did he do this to her? And it's like this whole like family values thing and how he's hiding all of this stuff and this corruption. But then, like, I thought something that was interesting with Bruce's dad, with the whole thing with Thomas Wayne, because like they've explored this stuff in some of the comics where, you know, 
Thomas was kind of a gangster. Yeah. And Martha was um, institutionalized, which they touch on both of those, but they don't make Thomas a gangster. They make Thomas somebody who was trying to protect. Right. And I did like that because I thought, oh, you don't, I don't know if you should like, I mean, obviously Bruce is his own man and he's doing this because of his parents and to learn something horrible about them would be devastating to him. But I thought that it was more interesting that like they, um, the dad did this in a, in a, in a, in a moment of desperation. Yeah. And his motives were like, his heart was in the right place. Right. And he never wanted to like hurt the guy, like no. the reporter. But obviously he went into, it's like that whole thing of going into business with the wrong people. And then that person has something over you and. I don't know. I thought that was... What did you think about the Carmine Falcone performance? I thought he was cool. Uh, it's what, John Turturro? Is that what the guy's name is? Turturro, I Turturro? think. Yeah. I thought he was cool. Uh, I thought he did, like, I think he did the job well, and I I didn't feel like it took away from the, like, the film in any way. I wanted more. A little yeah, bit more honestly. of him. I, that's the only thing, that's the only negative thing I have to say, and I mean, I know that the movie would end up being four hours long, but I just, I did want more of him. It was a little disappointing to watch him drop dead. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. I thought, because I thought he was really, but then he gets shot the same way that his, that, you know, Bruce's dad saved him. It's like all that stuff. Yeah. I just, I loved, I loved the world building. I love that the Riddler was right outside the door all the time. He's in one of the shots in the beginning of the movie. Is he? When Selena exits the club, there's a wide. And I was like, why? So I went and saw it again before we did this podcast. I was like, I have to see the movie again if we're going to talk about it, because... The first time I saw it, I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> like, I, so, but yeah, he's up in the. That's super cool. Corner taking pictures. That's nice. how he was able to get all the photographs. Mm. And that's, and he's got the sniper rifle and everything ready and all that. That's cool. I like that. I like that you can, it gives value to rewatching the film. I thought, wow, they've already destroyed Gotham in the first movie with a huge right. flood. I thought that's kind of. That's a bit, uh, okay, I guess you could go lots of places with this. And that's the thing, again, we just said that. Like, the next movie could take place in year five, or it could be year four, or it could be a couple months later. Like, yeah, I like that it was, like, year two. That it felt like the, like, kind of like the year one Batman comic arc. And, um, yeah, we got, like, this young Batman who's not really used to being Batman. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like there was, like, with Christian Bale's, well, I still loved it. I feel like there was this confidence immediately. Like, he's just out there doing the damn thing, like, good to go. Yeah, it's interesting how Christian Bale's performance, he just feels so mature. Right. Like, he's a grown grown man. He's an adult. Yeah. Like, that, it never, he, he's totally confident in it. He's just this superhero. He's a, he's a hero. Yeah. Like, he always, he is throughout all those movies. He falls, but, like, he's, that's why they kind of, I feel like, are able to do, like, the kind of like messiah thing with him Mm -hmm. which is what they lead up to with the whole thing of him saving the city sacrificing himself kind of thing but this one i felt like we were getting a really young naive yeah batman and i think that just gives the character like obviously just so much more room to grow and it's Mm -hmm. fun to grow along the with alongside the characters to watch that kind of uh unravel whereas like you see like like Christian Bale's Batman kind of um, go back and forth with the whole Rachel thing. And like even into Dark Knight Rises, it's like he doesn't want to pick the cape back up, mm-hmm. but then gets pushed to where I don't know. I just think it's it's nice to watch this Batman learn how to be Batman. Yeah. With those Nolan films, you feel like it's just a last resort and he doesn't like doing it. It's mm-hmm. like this thing of like he doesn't feel insane. Yeah. 
I mean, you would have to be insane to do this, but he doesn't feel insane in those movies. He feels like a pretty normal dude that's like... That's like, I want to help the city, but I'm going to but I'm gonna do something that's really not mentally sound. <laughs> but with this one, it's like, yeah, he's mentally... He's got... And even when they talk about Martha being an Arkham, like the look on his face when he's like learning all this stuff from the thing, you're like, oh, he's probably losing his mind right now. Right. Because he's thinking, I'm crazy too. Yeah, and you see him lose his shit a few times throughout the movie. Like, right. Where it's like, oh, this he's going too far. Right. And then well, also the whole like um, odd, the way of Bruce Wayne being in this movie. How did you feel about his performance as Bruce Wayne? Uh, initially, like, I mean, before I had seen the movie, like I knew that he wasn't going to be the kind of like playboy type that every other Bruce Wayne we've seen has kind of uh, portrayed. Or like, just, that's the way they portrayed him. I thought it was cool. It made the most sense, I think, to me that he's just some guy that's kind of like... If he's going to try to stay out of the spotlight, then he's not really, he's out of sight, out of mind. You know, people aren't going to make this connection right away that this kind of like scrawny kind of uh, street rat of a billionaire would be in this suit fighting crime. Right. And I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, I want to see, I'm curious to see, because I know that Robert Pattinson can totally be capable of this, but I'm curious to see them like in the next one, like he has to like start coming up with the character of Bruce Wayne. Like, right. somebody's about to figure it out, and he's got to, like, they're like, you've got to get this shit under control. You've got to start acting normal in public. Because the emo, which I don't think, I didn't, the hairdo, like, I, some people were bothered by it, but it never bothered me at all. It's like, yeah, here's a guy who doesn't care about getting a haircut. He's just, he probably, like, cuts his hair once a year and just buzzes it all off. Yeah. It didn't look like purposefully like no, long, I mean, or like he was like putting it in front of his eye like no, Spider Man three. It was, oh god! <laughs> I know it's like what I kept thinking of when I saw it was like because the, the eyeliner thing. I was like, oh, people are gonna be like, oh, it's the cure. Um, but whatever, it's 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 gothic. It's dark. It's not. It's it can be a little bit emo. It's okay. Yeah, it fits. It's not. It's not like it's Superman putting eyeliner on and like going right. and fighting crime and then crying. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. And, like, I, I'm just curious to see, like, this arc of, like, where it goes and, like, what they do with him and how he evolves. I'm very interested in that because I think it could be a very – I think you've got to just do things that nobody's ever done before. And I think they're already kind of doing that with this. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a fresh take on Batman that we haven't seen. We've probably seen it in some of, like, the animated things. But as yeah. far as, like, live action films, like, no, I think this is a really cool new take. Yeah, even with the animated stuff, like, I mean, I'd love to talk about some of that sometime, but, like, even with that, you know, he's billionaire playboy, and he's like, I play the character, but I'm still sad, but, like, he knows, like, how to... Balance it, and... Yeah, this one, the, he hasn't figured it out. Oh, no, like, he's, he's like, not all. even trying. He's like, yeah, he's not even trying. He's like, I don't care how off-putting I am, which I didn't think he was. It's just, it's somebody who, I mean, if you had that kind of trauma, I mean... Yeah, you probably wouldn't be. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Okay, so we're still going over reviews, but I just was talking about this off the microphone, but I just have to say this. I just asked Cole <laughs> this question, and this is my feeling. I am convinced that this Batman is a virgin. And you know what? I get it. Like, <laughs> I don't see when this man is, like, finding time to, like, pull some... Tail, if you will. Pull some tail. That seems like, <laughs> that an, okay. like a Catwoman analogy. What yeah, so pull some cat tail. No, I just I don't know. I don't think that like. Well, also I was like looking at a review that was talking about how like the uh, 
the original or Batman Returns or whatever was like oozing with like sexuality or dripping with some kind of term they were saying. But <laughs> I don't think I just don't think that this I, this I'm going to go on record. This Batman is a virgin. He's very cool. But yeah, I mean, I, you can still be cool and be a virgin. There's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to say you, <laughs> if you're a virgin, you can't be cool. Um, but this I just yeah, he's. I just I thought I thought that was interesting. Like when I was watching it, that was like the thought, and I don't really have that thoughts about characters that often. But I was like, I think this one, I think this version of Batman's a virgin. Then I started thinking, I'm like, is Christian Bale's Batman a virgin? Obviously, in The Dark Knight Rises, he sleeps with Talia Al Ghul. Right? Can but, you imagine that's when he's like, he's like, nervous. what if that's when he lost his? He was the 40 year old virgin. Holy shit! He's like, no, he's like all coy, Bruce, and Bruce Wayne was the 40 year old virgin. <laughs> But yeah, I just think that um, I'm not saying Robert Pattinson's a virgin. I'm saying that the character is a virgin. <laughs> yeah, I just think like, the, yeah the way that he hasn't overcome like all of this childhood trauma. I just don't see when this character's finding the time. Well, he also seems like really like innocent about things, especially like with with Selena and like when he's like talking about how she has to do things and close like get close. It's like he doesn't really understand. Right. So like. I don't know, like... He doesn't seem, like, like the most confident. I mean, even, like, he's relatively timid even when he's, like, you know, uh, observing all of the police officers doing the work in that, uh, in the mayor's apartment. He's not, like, this aggressive guy beyond his, like, fighting, really. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really see him... Well, I'm, like, I, well, I was, like, thinking about that. I was, like, well, is that how he's, like, getting his, like, you know gratification by beating these guys up all the time like all that sexual tension out yeah like like, well i mean that's something to think about like honestly like if the character like that is that what he's doing so i don't know i think that um he just needs to get laid and he'll be all right no (laughs) no he won't be all right but like i don't know it's just some of the little stuff with like selena and like i don't know i just thought it was interesting and i was like i did think that was a nice little addition to their their um their sexual tension Mm -hmm. because if like i was like if you if they've done this then it wouldn't be interesting yeah if they like hook up in the first movie like there's obviously this attraction between the two of them yeah and it it leaves it open for more and like leaves you like hopeful i guess that there there might be a a round two believe there are toys for this movie <laughs> like little kids toys yeah that's i mean i you, you do do you know about the controversy during batman returns with mcdonald's Mm-mm. okay so this is like so if people are still out there you're gonna like this and i'm sure you've already heard this if you're listening to this if you like batman maybe you don't know but in the 90s in 1992 they had a cross promotion of McDonald's and Batman Returns. Okay. And they had four little kids toys and they had like the cups and all this cool shit. Like, yeah, I remember look- the cups. Oh yeah, that stuff's awesome. I had the whole set when I was a kid. So they, people freaked out. Parents freaked out. There's like clips online of a kid talking. It's the little kids USA Today film review and he's on a talk show. Uh-huh. I'm going to put it in. Yeah, here. I want to see that. That's Oh, cool. I'm going to show you. It's hilarious. Some parents contend that Batman Returns, which is rated PG-13, is actually being marketed for younger children and the movie is just too violent. This kid is having an emotional breakdown because he's talking about it was a violence. It was a violence against kids. An attack on kids. It was very violent. It was a total attack against kids. The whole movie. Everything that kids love, 
was being used against them. And so that's when Warner Brothers was like, we got to sell merchandise. Tim, you don't want to do this third movie. You want to do something smaller, something else. Oh, that's unfortunate. And that's how he tells it. And then, of course, they brought Joel Schumacher in and everything, which, I mean, Joel Schumacher was a great director. Everything else Joel Schumacher did, I'm a huge fan of his other movies. It's just the studio was like, hey, you should do buffoonery and not dark. But the irony is if those people could see what this one is now. Right. <sighs> Maybe you get a severed thumb in your Happy Meal. <laughs> Maybe you get, like, a, a commissioner naked in his rat cage. Oh, yeah. Because he was, he was probably naked. Oh, absolutely. He looked naked. Having rats chew his face off. Mm. And all the little, like, addition of rat droppings in the little... Uh, I thought, was, I thought it was a nice it touch. It was a nice touch. <laughs> that was so nasty, but it was great. I mean, um, but yeah, I don't think that would be... Maybe that's why Little Caesars is selling the... They're known for their rat feces in their food, maybe. I just ate so much. Of it. I you did, too. Say that to me. I did, too. <laughs> the, little, the Caesars that we went to, they didn't have rat feces. I think Little Caesars is great. Yeah. It's all around. Well, yeah, they used to have like a crust when I was a kid that had like poppy seeds on it and stuff. We loved it. I was gonna say, it is that a like selling a, point? It was a really good. Yeah, it was different, and they don't make it like that anymore. <laughs> but it had like all these different seasonings and things like that on it. Interesting, it's like a special crust. <laughs> it sounds like it. now they, they have crazy bread still. But yeah, but yeah, no, that's like yeah. I mean, those kids would shit their pants if they knew that the Batman McDonald's. It was the black bile that comes out of the penguin. Oh, That God. was just too okay. much for I, You know what? Come on, though. That's not that bad. I think him eating a raw fish and having, like, that black bile come out is pretty horrifying. He didn't have the black bile coming out when he was eating the fish, did he? I think it was just, maybe it was just fish blood. He had spit on him. No, he bites that dude's nose after he's eating the fish. <laughs> yeah. I will say, yeah, he's kind of, <laughs> there's a lot going on there that's not, probably not kid appropriate. I know, but, no, I mean, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Skin Tight. Leather writhing a bet on a bed. So, <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, so, but I mean, that's not for kids either. I no, mean, I know. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. I don't know. I mean, yeah. There's definitely stuff that's for kids and stuff that isn't. But like, right? Yeah, they can still sell toys. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a kid centric movie. I think it was funny. I saw a tweet um, that said something along the lines of how funny is it that I have to explain to my seven-year-old that there's a new Batman movie out, but you can't see it. And it's like, you know, that's good. I'm just happy to be an adult, I guess. I am too. I know. It's a good time to be an adult and be able to go see a Batman movie on your own. <laughs> right. My, But my parents, they, my dad took me to see Batman Returns. No problem. I, that's why I didn't know about any of this stuff. He yeah. took me to see it when I was a little kid and I was, I was fine. I was little and I was like, I have no memory of not having seen that movie. That's how like early on in my life I, I had all it. the toys. I saw the movie. My dad had trading cards he bought for me when I was little. Um, I mean, like I, the '89 movie. I I don't remember a t- I, that movie's just always existed in my life because yeah. when I was little, we watched it. My dad and I would rent it from the video store and watch it on weekends in the summer. And I was a little kid, and it was not a big deal. Yeah, I just I remember pulling out that VHS. And it was that black, just like the black case, just the Batman symbol on it, nothing mm-hmm. else. It was just cool. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I have no, I don't understand, but like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to show a kid like torture porn. I mean, there's like, I mean, you know, a hostile. 
Yeah, oh god. I watched that when I was like 12. But like movies like that, like I'm not going to show like a, 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 a kid shouldn't be watching that stuff. But I mean, like I did, like in the 80s, kids saw stuff that they weren't supposed to see all the time. Right. In the early 90s and like, you know, I mean... I mean, I grew up seeing stuff that I wasn't supposed to see sometimes. It just happens. Like, you just understand the context. I mean, not, I mean, <laughs> just because you see the Batman or Batman Returns doesn't mean you're going to turn out to be Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, true. Uh, but Jeffrey Dahmer turned into Jeffrey Dahmer without seeing anything. So, so he well, he saw some... something, but I don't know what he saw, but not this. <sighs> um, definitely go see this at the theater, you would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Out of what would your be your five stars or ten star ten out of ten or five stars right. or it's, it's two cool. thumbs up? Or <laughs> it gets two thumbs up for me. No. It gets one thumbs up because my other thumb's gone. Oh well, Batman's got it on the keychain. <laughs> Batman's got my thumb on a keychain. I oh my god! I think out of ten, that seems the easiest. I can give it like points here and there. I think I'll give it an eight. That sounds better than a four. <laughs> Eight out yeah, of, four eight out of ten would be pretty well, bad. Well, eight out of ten sounds feels better than four out of five, despite it being the exact same fraction. Interesting. That is the exact, yeah, four out of five. Yeah, I think it's like a eight out of ten for sure. I could be, like, swayed into thinking it's like an 8.5 to a nine, but I don't want to give it, I don't want to give it that much credit. People are like, it's a ten out of ten, and I'm like, it's cl- it's close. It's very good. It's close. I just don't, I wonder what would, what is it that's not making it a ten out of ten? I don't know. I think it's just the nature of superhero films in that way, where it's like, like I said, it didn't surprise me, and I don't think it needed to, but it was an, a very enjoyable watch. I think it looked great. Uh, the pacing was, like, spot on. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's a very good film. How quickly do you think that they should do a sequel? Oh, God. Uh, I don't know how quickly they do sequel. Like, I was thinking about that, like... Did you see all the DC movies are, like, pushed? Are they? Yeah, they pushed Black Adam to, like, October, which I wasn't... I think it was supposed to come out this summer. And hmm. the, that Flash movie mm-hmm. is now coming out in June of 2023. Oh, Jesus. That's never coming out. I feel like that movie's just doomed. Like, I'm so excited to see Michael Keaton play Batman again. That Yeah. And I'm just like, why? They Well, they said it was because of COVID stuff with, like, the special effects. Interesting. So they've had to delay it again. But, like, mm. I just feel like that movie's never going to... It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like that's something that's ever actually going to be real. Yeah, it's weird. And then the Shazam movie's coming out, which I, I thought the first one was fun. I liked the first Shazam. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Yeah, it felt like a nice departure from the rest of the DCEU films. Um, I don't even know what DCE... I like that. I don't like that... With the MCU, it's very clear. It's right. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Whereas DC is, like, Detective Comics Extended Universe, I think. <laughs> University? Yeah, university. <laughs> yeah, university of detective. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I don't know. Yeah, I just I just wish that... I just hope they'll just do more of this. Like, do what you want. Let a director just do their movie and let it just be that. Stop trying to do a... You set yourself apart from DC, or I mean from Marvel, and just make this be... Right. I think what Marvel has done is very cool. and But I think it's almost impossible to pull it off. And I think it's amazing that they did. Yeah. But I don't think that DC necessarily needs to try to do the same thing. Because clearly they tried. And maybe it's just the fact that their attempt wasn't great. But 
It just didn't work for them. I just don't want to see another extended. I don't want to see a bunch of no. universe movies. Like that's it. Like, can you imagine like somebody getting? I was just thinking about this. Like, how many Marvel movies there are? Somebody just now getting into this stuff. I mean, you can look at it from two ways. That's exhausting. It could be seen as very exhausting. That's so much to watch. You're talking like, what, like 27, 28 films now, plus three, four series. And then if you want to add in the Netflix ones, like, that's a lot of time to commit. But it could be. That's your whole life. Oh, absolutely. You're dead <laughs> when you're done. But if you just love it and you're, like, excited about it, what an exciting thing to have all of that content. Right. I mean, yeah, if somebody does love that stuff that much, I, I just, my thing is that I love movies that I can, like, re, that I'm excited to rewatch. Right. And that happens. It's, it is rare where it's like I want to watch a movie multiple times. Yeah. This was I, one of those movies where I was like, I want to see this multiple times. Now, I might get, like, you know, okay, I've had enough, but, like. There's just certain films that I keep cut that I come back to my whole life, and it's just like something that I, like Seven is one of those movies. Fight yeah. Club is one of those movies. Yeah, I can see like the value in rewatching those. Yeah. I can see the value in, in rewatching this as well. Yeah. Whereas like some random Marvel movie that is just kind of sandwiched between two better films, there's very little reason for me to rewatch one of those. Mm-hmm. And that's just I think the nature of having so many films in a series where it's like if one outshines another, then that's the one you're gonna watch. Yeah, and then just like before we wrap up here, the one of the things that I really liked about this movie was the title card, the Batman, and it looked like the or like the Joker stuff. The big font takes up the whole screen, and it just feels like it. The opening even felt like a '70s movie with the logos, right? That in that the Joker was exactly the same. It did the same thing, and I just I hope they go more into that like. Just let everything exist on its own. Like, I mean, that's like, that's the thing. The Shazam stuff is different. The Black Adam movie looks way different. The Aquaman movie looks way different. Just let these things be what, if the movie fits that style, let it be that. And if it doesn't, don't force it. Yeah, because they're just making, yeah, they they force (laughs) themselves to make more mediocre films because they're trying to fit a style of somebody else's film that's about a different character and all this stuff just to try to meld it into this cohesive thing. You miss the point of the characters of why they work, why people love Batman, because people love that character, because people do love detective stories. People are We talked about this last time with Seven. People are obsessed with true crime stuff. People love a good mystery, and they like to unravel one. Yeah. And that's what you always get. And he has, like, the best villains. Everybody's just... It's, it's a real person. It's not... I think Batman is always best by himself or with Robin. Robin's are. I don't have any big qualms there. But when you when you suddenly have a world where both Batman and Superman exist, it becomes a little weird. Yeah. It's like you watch like uh some like the animated stuff and like a lot of it's cool. Like I'm not trying to knock on any of that, but seeing Batman in space like Yeah, it's not. It it, it kind of takes away from the charm of Batman. Right. It doesn't work. It's not like the an Iron Man character where that can totally work. Yeah. You've set this up in a way that that does work but isn't it funny though <laughs> i just have to say this every time they do these movies it's like oh batman just showed up and superman showed up at the same time it's like all of the even the marvel movies it's like that it's like everybody shows up at the same time and they're mm-hmm. like oh captain marvel actually showed up in the 90s but we didn't talk about her because we hadn't developed a yeah which they, they wrote they they explained that away pretty easily and i was yeah. fine with it it was whatever but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the timing's pretty uh, convenient. <laughs> We're all here together at the same time. Oh, wow. 
we live in a universe where, and within the span of like 10 years, there are now hundreds of super people. Which was one of the cool things I have to say about Zack Snyder's Justice League, where it was like he sets up before there was a time of heroes. And that was like, yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like they've existed before and, you know. Yeah, they fit into the universe in that way. Yeah, but I don't know. Everybody's just trying to figure all this stuff out. And some some of it works, some of it doesn't. And. I don't know. I like the whole, like, I like it if somebody would just establish. I think that's what DC could have done. They could have just said, here's a universe that exists on its own and it's already happening. Yeah, they're not trying to introduce these characters to the people within those universes. Well, like, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about Watchmen, the Zack Snyder version, the movie. Yeah. But that movie does what the comic book does, and it just gets into a movie that's where all of this stuff's been going on. Yeah, they don't need all the setup. DC could have done that with all their stuff. Yeah. Superman could have been the first entry. He could have been the first character, but when he comes to Earth, all of these other things. I mean, they kind of tried to do that yeah. with Batman v Superman, but like they. But it's like, just like, oh, it's a video feed from Lex Luthor instead of like, oh, these people are existing and he's aware of them. Like they're just there. Yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> I, I it's been so long since I've seen uh, Man of Steel, but like, I don't think there's any, like, there's any talk of Batman in that movie. Mm-mm. And it's like. In what world are they not going to discuss this going on when there's suddenly another, like, caped crusader? Well, it could have. the only way it would work is if you did this where he shows up and it's the Pattinson. Right. Now, that actually could, I'll tell you, that could have worked because I feel like the costume designs were very similar with what they did with Batman and Superman in those movies. The texture and everything, because it's the same costume designer, of course. Yeah. But if they had gone... Here's a Batman that's got the Pattinson vibe of outfit, and here's one that has this armor from another planet. This is the nerdiest conversation I've ever had on a podcast, <laughs> but like, no, but if you did that where you have these two like things that just look so different in their design, yeah, I that's think the- interesting, I think. Like, on a texture and production. Well, yeah, it shows that they come from different like walks of life, different worlds in themselves, rather than like this oddly well-fitting puzzle like where you got like yeah why why would batman's suit look so similar to superman's it because it, it does well, and yeah. i always thought that i loved that suit i thought the design was cool and everything but like and it works for that style of what they were doing but yeah it would why wouldn't he look like bale's batman or yeah. something like just something more tactile and yeah not armor from another planet right yeah yeah, I don't know. I I just feel I never liked the way that the Affleck Batman looked just at all. He has, I mean, obviously there's a lot of influence from. Um, Someone has turned this podcast off already. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's just like this is just for us. Like somebody, no one is listening at this. No, there people are like, oh my god, like, god, this is annoying. <laughs> uh, no, I'm gonna wrap it up. With what I'm saying here, no, uh, <laughs> Batman looks like a bulldog in the movie. I don't know. He looks weird. He looks like a bulldog. His head's big and square. You know, like the little ears? No, I hate it. I have a problem with I have a problem with the ears sometimes being too small. Mm-hmm. I kinda like it in Frank Miller's artwork, but I don't like it in Yeah, I don't know. His hair is, his head is just a uh, Okay, well on next week's episode, we're not gonna start <laughs> talking about Batman Cal designs and everything. Um we haven't decided on a movie yet. Uh you picked we were not gonna do I don't know. You asked me if I had something special planned. I was like, I I don't know, like you were like, how about the Batman? I was like, sure, fine. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, or I've seen it. You haven't seen it. Let's do it. Should we stick to gritty noir? Mm. Or should we get your eating pizza again? I I'm still, still was, recording. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I dropped my phone. Um, I'm trying to think what we should do. Um, all right, well, uh, we'll figure that out, and you'll just have to find out next time. Yeah. On Film is About to Start. <laughs>